All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Rock and Roll Garage. This is your Uncle Jimmy, barely, bringing you Grease Wheels podcast uh, for automotive technicians and any other technicians and any other fucking people that want to listen. Whatever you do, it's fine with me. It's a free country. It's a free planet. Fuck it. It's a free planet, you know. Uh, you can listen if you want, or you can just fucking turn it right off if you want. You can do either one. Hey, you go. I want to say uh, I hope everybody out there is uh, safe and doing well. Uh, this is the uh, the Sunday after uh, a week after Valentine's Day and all of the absolutely unbelievably shitty weather that hit the United States and maybe shitty weather hit where you are if you're not here in the United States. Uh, probably a good time not to be here like our senator. I don't really want to expand on this this subject right at the moment, okay? Uh, I definitely have some s- serious opinions about what happened in this. I think they call it, I think somebody called this the storm Shirley, which isn't, I mean, if you're going to call a storm something and it's going to be this much of a piece of shit of a storm, it's got to have a different name. Shirley just makes it sound like Shirley Temple, you know, like, like this whole storm rolled in on the good ship lollipop and everything was just fine after, you know, a couple of hours, you know, maybe you got a little snow, maybe you got a little rain. Eh, it's no big deal. No, uh, it should have been called a fucking winter tropical storm Conan the fucking barbarian because it fisted it all, everybody. And it seemed to be worse down here in the south where I am. And uh, I, you know what? I, I don't even really want to talk about it on this particular podcast. Not just yet. Because I'm not done suffering at the hands of this particular storm. And uh, so when, and when, when the trauma of all of that has passed and I can collect my thoughts in a little bit more of a uh, uh, regimented manner, I may uh, hit you with some of the fucking observations that I've made about some of the things that happened, especially to me and to my fellow cohorts and uh, my fellow Texans and uh, some of the other people who live in the southern part of the United States. But for right now, I'm going to move on with a whole different subject. I don't want to, I don't really want to talk about that just yet. I'm not, I'm not done uh, dealing with it. I'm not done uh, collecting the data, if you will. Okay. Uh, what I did want to talk to you about today is, I'm going to get to the point. I don't normally take this long to get to the point. What I want to talk to you about today is is another one of my words. It's a word. I pick these words out every once in a while and I wanted to uh, expand on it. And this particular word, the word of the podcast today is exploitation. Exploitation. Now I was watching a documentary about Major League Baseball not too long ago and it's the off season. So, you know, what you do is you watch movies and TV shows about baseball, but not actual baseball because it hasn't started yet. Although, Pitchers and catchers have showed up, so there's, uh, you know, spring. Uh, hope springs eternal, and hopefully this year will be uh, at least 154 games, if not 162, and it, it will uh, come down to a, a, a different uh, conclusion, at least for, for me and the team that I root for. But in one of the documentaries that I was watching about baseball, uh, there was a mention of exploitation of Major League Baseball players, and it went on for a long time for them, for the, uh, the players, the owners, own the ballparks, they own the teams, and when it came to paying the players, eh, they gave them a very, 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 and I want to use the word one more time, very tiny salary, very small amounts of money, unless, of course, they were extremely good at what they did, in which case they would pay that particular athlete a lot of money, uh, but uh, still, uh, the rest of the athletes that played baseball for them were not very well paid and they had this thing called a reserve clause which meant that they were owned basically uh very much like slaves 
by the teams that they played for and that they could have their contract extended one year every year and and they were at the, they were at the mercy of these teams okay and i i drew in my mind i drew a parallel to the the job that we do to to being an automotive technician and to being a technician really of any kind here's the actual definition of exploitation because i wanted to kind of explain to you why I feel like this is an important subject, okay? This is the explanation. Exploitation is the act of selfishly taking advantage of someone or a group of people in order to profit from them or otherwise benefit oneself. Does it sound familiar to you? It should, okay? Because if you think about what we do and all the skills and all the training and everything that we have to have, tools, holy fuck, tools, all of the shit that we have to bring to work with us, okay? Our brains, our tools, our motivation, our own personal goals, our own reason for actually showing up for the job, our own reason for doing the fucking job, you know, what we want to get from a job. And our employers, and and I mean really literally all employers, are exploiting us. That's my general opinion, okay? And you can, and, and, and the thing is, when I talk about this, I do the same thing every time. And they can't hide it. They, they, they can't hide it. And it's coming back around a lot like a, a missile with a, no safety on it, or like a torpedo where the safeties have been turned off. It's gonna come around, it's gonna circle the ocean, and it's going to come right up their fucking exhaust pipe and explode in their ass. Because... When you have a group of people and you pay them X amount of dollars, but then you sell what they do. In my shop, there's uh, individuals who make anywhere between 15 and $17 an hour, all the way up to about $35 an hour, okay? So, you know, if you make $35 an hour and you work, you know, uh, 40, 50 hours a week, you, you do okay, you do okay. And so, uh, and it's a will-to-work state. I think that every state in the union is a will-to-work state. I'm not sure how it, is in other countries uh, across the planet, whether you're allowed to work or you know what kind of rules you have, what kind of laws you have, what kind of uh, what kind of worker safety laws you have. I know in the United States, uh, in, in some states, especially like a California, the worker has a, an excruciating amount of rights, and the uh, employers chafe wildly at some of these rules. And uh, uh, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. I think it's probably a good thing, although. Uh, it causes them to want to pay you less because they can't make as much off of you. Now, when I talk about exploitation, it, it's as simple as looking at what you're paid for your labor and what they charge their customers for that labor. Now, I understand both, and this is one of my fatal flaws, ladies and gentlemen. One of my fatal flaws is that I can see both sides of the, of the story. I can see both sides of the coin. I always can. You know, I understand... Uh, I understand better than most people that there's a lot of things that your uh, shop or your dealership or wherever it is you work has to pay for. I get it. I fucking get it. Okay. There's power when it's on. Uh, There's water when that shit's on. Uh, There's other utilities. Uh, Power, water, uh, they have to pay for parts. They have to pay for non-labor producing employees. And in some places, there's a fucking ass load of those. And so that, that draws down the, uh, the difference between gross profit and net profit, which is where we run into trouble. We're always going to run into trouble when we start comparing gross profit to net profit. 
Okay, because gross profit, that can be figured out really easily, really easily. And what we do where I work, you maybe some of you have heard this before, but what I do where we work, we came up with this formula a couple of years ago. We started right at one. Our first RO was RO0001, one. We started at one. I think a lot of shops started at one. I, I mean, it's just natural to start, right? You know, I mean, you write an RO, it's the very first RO, it's RO number one. Then from there, you move on. Now you can look. If you work in a shop where your ROs are numbered, and most of them are, where your repair orders are numbered, okay, you can look right at the corner and see the RO number, and you can say to yourself, holy fucking shit, they've written, and, and some of you are probably in the millions, well, maybe not in the millions, but you're definitely in the thousands, we're in the thousands, we've only been around a couple of years. So you can look at all the ROs that are written. And then what you can do is kind of do a little math in your head. And it's not that hard. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to help you out with this. Okay. Let's just say, and we came up with this, uh, a friend of mine and I came up with this a, a while back. Uh, we figured that each RO at our shop was worth 500 bucks as an average. Okay. Some are worth a lot less, you know, some are for wiper blades and they're, you know, a hundred bucks and, you know, maybe, a, maybe a bulb, which might be $3 and, you know, might be $10 to put it in. So it's $13. But then there's other ROs. And there's, there's a large number of these that are over $500, you know, $700, $800, $900, $1,000. Had an RO not too long ago, it was $12,000. That raises the average. But we decided that we would shoot low with this particular figure and come up with $500 as an average for every RO written. Okay, great. So I am, I'm going to get a calculator out. Bear with me for a second here. Uh, and one of the things... I love it when my phone, oh, holy shit, my phone saw my face and said, hey, it's you. That usually doesn't happen. Usually my fucking phone goes, eh, you're not the ugly bastard that owns me. So our uh, our ROs uh, have numbered just over 47,000, okay? That's 47 and then uh, three zeros. That's where we're at. And that's, you know, we're not quite three years in and we've had uh, a slowdown from covid and then the, this last particular week that I was uh, suffered through, we didn't work at all uh, because of the weather. And so uh, we're behind where we probably should be. We're behind. It's fine. So, but I, but, but I remember when, when I left, I think we just clicked over 47,000. The average RO is worth $500. $23.5 million. And that's a low estimate. Okay, so $23.5 million. And we've been told that our, our facility costs $42 million. So we're more than halfway paid for that. Gross. Okay. Now you got to take into account a whole lot of shit when it comes to that figure. Okay. Because I've, I've made money. The people I work with have made money. The rest of us have all been paid for what we, what we do. A lot of other people that work in the building have been paid for what they do. And that's just, okay, that whole $23 million, that was just service. Okay, great. You got a sales department, a bunch of selfish, uh, you know, fucking egomaniacal bastards up front that sell cars. And, and they, yeah, they make some money. And the used car department, especially, we've talked about that a few times. Those fucking pirates make a lot of money too. So there's money coming in the door. There's a lot of money coming in the door. And I don't have any problem with anybody making money running a, a, a repair shop or a dealership service shop or a dealership in, in general. I do not have any trouble with capitalism, okay? I get it. I get it. You do something to earn money. You provide a service. You provide 
transportation, automobiles for transportation. You provide service to keep those automobiles going. I believe that you should make a profit. I don't have any trouble with that at all. I don't want to sound like I'm some kind of socialist, like I'm a communist, like that the distribution of wealth needs to be so extreme to the point that the technicians are paid all of the money and that they rent their bays like fucking... Uh, hair salon chairs you know like what do they even fucking call it i mean i can't remember what they call it the chair rental you know it's like it's like we don't need to do that i don't think that that's what needs to happen although honestly uh that could happen that that could happen in the future i think very easily too by the way but that's not what i'm here that's not what i want to talk to you about now if you let's 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 figure out an average for pay Okay, we can do this all backwards, right? So we had 47,000 ROs, okay? And we had $500 on each RO, and that's service and parts, okay? So let's just say that there was, at $150 an hour, there was two hours of labor on each RO. Two hours. Two hours of labor on each RO. At $155 an hour, and it's not, it's not exactly what it is. It's lower sometimes because they give a discount. It's lower if it's warranty. It's lower, okay? But uh, we're going we're gonna to shoot high on that again. We're going to go, we're, well, you know, well, let's, let's make it $150. we will make it real nice and easy, okay? So it's $150 an hour, and it's $300 for two hours. So every RO generates $300 worth of, of labor cost. Okay, 47000 times 300 Okay, $14 million in, in labor. $14 million of that is straight up fucking labor created by you and me. Created by you and me. The fucking dudes with the wrenches and the skills and the training. $14 million, okay? That's a pretty short period of time too, by the way. Let's go through and figure out we had 47000 ROs, and we had two hours on each one, so that's uh, 94,000 hours. Now, let's just say, okay, because like I said before, we have guys who are making, I think, you know, anywhere between 15 and $35 an hour, so we'll shoot that right in the middle. Let's shoot that right in the middle. What would that be? Well, they're 20 apart, so let's add 10. We'll call it 25 an hour, okay? But that, I think, is a little high because I believe that a lot of the technicians in the shop make less than that, a lot, make less than $25 an hour. But I, we'll, we'll go, let's go with 25 just because it's a nice, it's not a really round number, but it's easy to work with. It's got a five in it. So we got 94,000 hours. So that's $2,350,000 paid for labor. So they paid $2.3 million for $14.1 million worth of labor. Um, that leaves $12 million profit from labor. $12 million. So now $14 million and you're only paying, you know, 14 point, what was it? 14.1 I came up with 14.1 million dollars. And it only costs you $2.3 million to make that. You're going to have the building paid for pretty quick. You're going to have a lot of other stuff paid for pretty quickly. It's $12 million that it really just looks like straight up profit, gross or net, whatever you want to call it. Okay. I, I would call it gross because obviously you're not figuring in cost, but that's just strictly the money that you're earning from labor, it's not counting the money that you make from new cars, used cars, and the parts department. The formula becomes a little bit more difficult to wrap your mind around when you start to figure out, uh, start to figure in, you know, how much the other uh, employees in the building cost and how much the utilities are and how much, you know, 
uh, upkeep is and, and how much a, a transmission is that you poked a hole in and now it's no good. Uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of extracurricular costs that go into running a shop or a dealership. There's, there's, there's tons of them. But they certainly aren't going to fucking add up to $12 million, are they now? No, it's not over two years, they aren't. Okay, so when I say to you, the, the listener, that the other automotive technicians on the planet even, um, not even just this country, but on this planet, that you're being paid, uh, what, would that, what would that even be? What's the ratio? 14, 14 to 2, so it's, uh, you're being paid uh, one-seventh of the cost that your labor gets sold for, one-seventh. Could that be a little higher? Yeah, you know what? That could could conceivably be a little higher, you know? And I think that some of the robber barons of the late 19th century, the early 20th century, and some of these baseball team owners who used to have it their way for a long time before the players' union got a hold of them, who were paying pennies on a dollar for people who could do what you wanted them to do, and then you sold the entertainment value of their of the baseball they played or perhaps the uh, oil or the trains or the steel or whatever else it is you're a robber baron in, you could afford to pay a little bit more instead of just being so fucking filthy rich that the government had to step in and, and declare that your business is a monopoly. Now, I don't, uh, I don't, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to stand in the way of capitalism. I think capitalism is a, an awesome tool, okay? It gets a lot of shit fucking done. And this is no bullshit, okay? If if there was no such thing as capitalism, there's a hell of a lot of things that wouldn't exist now. But because capitalism exists the way it does, it inspires people to do things to earn money and more money. It inspires them to invent things. It inspires them to innovate. It inspires them to do things better, to find better ways to do things. And in our field, we do the same fucking thing. We really do. I mean... You know, have you ever seen anyone take spark plugs out and put them in a car with an impact gun? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. You pay somebody flat rate and you tell them he's going to get 0.5 to put eight spark plugs in an engine and it it pays 0.5, which is half an hour, and it takes half an hour. He's going to use some power fucking tools. He's going to innovate how to get them in there. I've done that. I have a piece of hose in my toolbox. I put in the end of my little bit driver and I use it to put spark plugs in. And it works great, and it won't strip them. It will not strip them. It will not strip them. I'm going to say that one more time because it won't strip them. And then all I got to do is go back with a torque wrench and torque them to the proper torque, and I'm done. And I can make money doing the half hour or the 0.7 spark plug changes on the engines that I work on. I don't have to sit there with a ratchet for fucking 20 minutes screwing these fucking things in by hand and trying to get the torque right and then getting the torque wrench out. No, I, I stick them on the end of a fucking screw gun put a piece of hose on there, put the spark plug in the hose, fucking shove that thing in a fucking hole and spin it till the hose pops off and then I'm out of there. And then I do it again and I do it again and I do it again. And I'm telling you seriously, I can get it done. I can get it done quickly and I don't have to worry about it being done right because it is actually done right. It's not one of these deals where I'm taking my half-inch gun and just forcing the fucking things in there, you know? I'm not a coal miner, for Christ's sakes. You know, I'm not a butcher. I got it down. But this is the innovation of capitalism. You know, you're going to tell me I'm only going to make seven tenths putting spark plugs in a car. And if, and if I do it the way that uh, some of the other technicians would do it, I'm only going to make seven or eight tenths. And I find a way to do it and I'm going to make four tenths. I'm going to do it in four tenths and make seven tenths. Guess what? Yeah, there's the innovation for you, right? Put the spark plug in your fucking, in your nut driver and your screwdriver 
uh, utensil or whatever it is you use to, to drive in or take out screws and zip in they go, baby. In they go and the, and the rubber hose won't strip them. That's the innovation of capitalism right there. Okay, that's the, that's the spirit of America. Americans work that way. We innovate. We, I'm telling you, capitalism is one of the mothers of an invention along with necessity, okay? And I don't have any problems with that. But what I feel is uh, a little bit unfair is that we're not being paid for the amount of expertise, for the amount of training, the amount of knowledge, the amount of intelligence, really. Let me put it as intelligence, whether it's physical, uh, kinetic, or whether it's uh, mental intelligence to the job. We're problem solvers is basically what we are. And people bring us all kinds of shit all day long that's all fucked up, or maybe just a little bit fucked up, or maybe even not fucked up at all. That happens too. Hello, that slows us all down. That's a throwing a monkey wrench in a capitalistic system, isn't it? Hey, I, I, my car does this. I go, yeah, it's supposed to. It's called a feature, dick. No, seriously, I get that. I know you get that. But what I'm trying to get at is is that what for what we bring to the job, for what a modern day, 21st century automotive technician brings to the job, the pay that we are getting equals exploitation. That's what I'm trying to say. We're being exploited. The money that our shops and dealerships charges our customers and the chasm, the huge amount of of difference between what they're paying us and what they're selling our work for pretty much equals exploitation of, of, of us, exploiting us. It is, it is the act of selfishly taking advantage of someone or a group of people in order to profit from them or otherwise benefits oneself. It's not fair. Okay, our wages should increase with the difficulty of the job of repairing these fucking cars. And I, along with some of my other European luxury brand brethren uh, who repair, you know, the, the likes of Audis and Mercedes Benzes and these sorts of things, and even the highline Japanese cars, and even the highline American cars, they're, they're out there too. Uh, these people need to be supremely skilled. You, you need to be supremely skilled and trained and, and, and you, have, you have experience. You didn't just pick up experience at, the, at a drugstore or at a five and dime. You can't just go down and buy experience. They proof you. And if, you, if you're not over the age of 25, you're not going to fucking get it. You can only get experience one way, okay? And so, but to not be recognized and not be appreciated and not be adequately paid for all of the qualities that you need to possess to do the job, that's exploitation. And I'm tired of being exploited. I, I really am. I, I've railed against, uh, for two and a half years now on this podcast, I've railed against the employer not paying us a salary commensurate with what we're worth. And I, I blame everybody. I blame every human being on this fucking planet for that, okay? Because, and I've never run into this, okay? Uh, and I've talked about this several times before, but I've, I've never really run into this with any other profession. There's almost no other profession on the planet where people somehow or another feel like they can do it just as well as you can. I can tell you right now that with some of the problems I have to deal with, there isn't anybody else in my own fucking shop who can do the stuff I do. Yeah, there's some better technicians than me in my shop, but none of them, not one of them has the same experience that I have. So can they all do everything that I do? No, they can't. No, they can't. There are some excellent technicians where I work, and I would I would say that they're exploited. They're probably not paid as much as I am. Maybe they are. I, I would hope they are. I don't 
go out of my way to find out what the people in my shop make. I, I would probably be upset if I knew. What I'm trying to say is, is that the skills necessary to do the job are worth way more than what we're being paid. And the act of selfishly taking advantage of us, read i.e. exploitation, has been going on for a long time now. And, and it's because a lot of these people who may be, may be smart in other fields, not smart in our field, not smart in this field, they're not gonna be able to do what we do. They think they can, but if they try, and I've seen them try, they fail miserably. They fail miserably. There's things, and there's there's guys who work in my shop as technicians who can't do some of the things that, that they should be able to do. So if you roll in off the street and you say, oh, I can do that. I'm going, well, you know, I got guys who work here and get paid to do that and they can't do it. So the chances that you can do it are not very fucking good. Now, now look, I'm, I'm not blind to this fact either, okay? Some of the stuff that we have to do is easy. Some of it is easy. I mean, you know, changing oil in a car, it's really pretty easy, okay? And you should be able to do it quickly enough and efficiently enough that even if you just did oil changes all day long, regardless of your skill, regardless of your experience, regardless of your training, you should be able to make fairly decent money. But it requires a, a certain level of knowledge, a certain level of experience, a certain level of of intelligence to do the job right every fucking time, all the time, okay, without any slip-ups, without any, you know, muffs. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to use that word. That word has other meanings. <laughs> I don't fucking use that word in that sentence. <laughs> There's other ways of screwing things up, Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> Fuck, you don't have to say muff. <laughs> so what am I saying to you? Can I boil it down into a nutshell? I probably can. They talk about, a lot of people talk about all the time, they talk about redistributing the wealth in this country. And I'm not really all for that so much to the point where I feel like that anybody who has a billion dollars should be giving people who don't have a billion dollars money. I don't believe that that's what should happen at all. I think that personally, that if you make billions and billions of dollars based on the labor of, of other people, that you should see the value of that labor yourself personally, okay? And I'm talking to somebody like a Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or even Elon Musk or maybe uh, Warren Buffett. And he should possibly... Uh, expend some of his fortune to raise the fortunes of uh, raise the fortunes of the employees that work for him. Because after all, some of these people have built empires, but they didn't do it all themselves. They didn't do. There's nobody out there who is a self-made solo millionaire or billionaire who didn't have other people who worked for him and or did things for him. And some of these jobs probably weren't easy. Some of them were probably difficult. I think that honestly, I think that being an automotive technician is a difficult job myself personally. Now, some of us can handle it with ease. Some of us can handle it with ease because we just know what we're doing and we know what we're going to get. And we also know that there's an unknown factor to it. I mean, you know, I'm going to go into work tomorrow morning. I'm going to show up. I have no fucking idea in hell what I'm going to run into. I have no idea what kind of broken shit is going to come rolling into my shop tomorrow. I have no idea what kind of broken shit I'm going to be responsible for diagnosing and fixing tomorrow. I don't know. Most of us don't know what the fuck's going to... I mean, unless you left the car in your lift on Friday night or Saturday afternoon, whenever it was you left, you don't know what you're going to be working on, on on Monday morning. You don't know. And that's that's a part of... that. And to me, I find that uh, the chaos of that is a little bit unbearable. But that's probably because uh, 
<laughs> like I've said before, I think I have a 12-year-old autistic boy inside of me because I get upset over dumb stuff. And uh, I, I'd like to know what I'm going to be doing every day, but I don't. Okay. And, and the thing is the other people in my shop, they get, you know, who don't work on cars, you know, the lot guy, he's going to have to do the same thing he does every day. The, the service advisor is going to have to do the same thing that he does every day. The service manager is going to have to do the same thing that he does every day, which by the way is nothing. And then the, the general manager is going to have to do what they do every day. Everybody's day is defined by the tasks that they're going to have to do that they know they're going to have to do and that they do every day the same way every day. Only our job okay, and possibly the parts department and even they have to do the same job. They just have different parts they have to hand out. Our job is the only one that is so random. It's so it's It's got such a Heisenberg element to it that is unknown and random. And yet they all feel like we make too much money. They all feel like they don't need to pay us. They all feel like, you know, I say all, I say people who are in charge of, of doling out payroll for certain things, how much somebody should get paid for something, okay? Now, and, and I can't identify, I, I have tried in the past to identify who is actually telling who what to pay technicians for what they do. And I, I can't, I can't come up with anything. I, I've, I've always assumed that it was accountants, that they have a formula buried in one of their fucking deadly, dull, boring accounting books that says, oh, you know, employees who, who perform certain tasks shouldn't be paid over an X amount of percentage for their labor. You know, I'm sure that there's a formula out there, okay? And I'm, I'm sure as I'm sitting here right now that it, that an accountant somewhere is saying, well, you know, if you pay more than 18% of your gross income for uh, payroll, then you're paying too much, you know? And it's like, okay, I get it. But how difficult is that task? Is that formula up to date? Or is that from 1936? You know, is that from the days when you put in plugs and points in a car and you had to reline drum brakes? And, and maybe a car had a, a, a two-speed or a three-speed automatic transmission. And maybe every 10, 10 cars you worked on had air conditioning, but nine of them didn't, you know? Maybe, maybe the, I think the formula is from those days, okay? The cars that we have now, they do such crazy different fucking bullshit, you know? They have air conditioning for high-voltage batteries. They have air conditioning in the back. They have air conditioning in the front. It has a, a fucking control module that knows exactly how hot it's supposed to be, how cold it's supposed to be, what the humidity's supposed to be. It, it just, and then brakes, oh, they're fucking bringing out brake-by-wire now so that they can have the car drive itself because obviously nobody can drive a fucking car worth a fuck. So they can have the car drive itself. So they got to have brake by wire because, you know, obviously you you can't have a robot leg come out of the dashboard and press on the brake fast enough to stop the car if there's going to be an accident. And they certainly can't rely on you to step on the fucking brakes if you're going to get into an accident because you're too busy looking at your fucking phone, playing Candy Crush or fucking texting your ex or whatever. There's there's all of that that, that you have to take into account. And the formula hasn't changed. I'm sure of it. The formula hasn't changed. And the other thing too is that the range of automotive technicians that you have in your shop goes right seriously from c complete and total fresh out of high school nubiles who don't even know how to spell car, even if you give them the C and the A, all the way up to the old bastards like me who feel like they know everything and know how everything should run. Okay, You've got a, a range of technicians all the way between those. How do you, how do you sort out who's worth what? Well, you just, 
you, you talk to them, you interview them, you find out how desperate they are for a job, you offer them a pay and they take it. And that's where the problem lies is that we're accepting salaries that are really no longer acceptable. We're allowing our employers to exploit us. And that's where the problem is. And that's where we're going to have to fix the problem. Now, I don't, I'm not suggesting to anybody that they start a union. That's a whole different ball of wax. And I don't think anybody really wants to do that because a union does what they call collective bargaining. Okay. And you, I don't think you want to be part of that. Okay. Because when they collectively bargain, they're, they're collectively bargaining, bargaining for everybody in the shop. And if you're somebody who is more well-trained and better experienced and even just better at the job than, than half your staff or maybe even three quarters of your staff or maybe all of your staff, you're going to be collectively bargained for. Your salary is going to be collectively bargained for as a group. And maybe that group is going to get a, a lower salary than, than you deserve as a group. Now, maybe a union would figure out a way to... Uh, say, okay, this guy has this much experience and he does this much. This guy has this much experience. He does this much. This guy has very little experience. He does this much. And they could tailor a collective bargaining agreement to the levels of experience that you have. But it sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? Does it sound like something that lawyers are going to want to do? Because that's what we're talking about here. When we talk about a union, we're talking about lawyers. And guess what? Lawyers are not going to be able to understand I don't think that lawyers are able to understand what you need to know to be an automotive technician because they probably think that they can do your job too. <laughs> so there's that. Okay. Now I don't, so I don't believe that, that unions are really the answer. I think that uh, if we want to stop being exploited, we need to stop accepting personally, but as a group as well, we have to stop accepting these unacceptable wages that they want to pay us. If you go out there, if, you, if you're out there right now and you have five years of experience and, and you've gotten almost all the training that you need and maybe you've, maybe you've done half or all of the ASC training, a lot of, a lot of dealers and a lot of uh, shops are requesting that you get ASC training because, well, literally, you know, we've talked about this before. There's nothing else out there. There's nothing to uh, gauge your skill against except ASC. That's the only thing that's out there. I think that it's a, a golden opportunity for somebody to come up with a better way to gauge how much a technician knows. Uh, I'm personally not interested in doing it. I think I could I think I could do it. Uh, I think I would come up with a, just to go off on a little tangent here, personally what I would do is I come up with a more simple questions that make more sense. I don't really like the whole technician A, technician B kind of bullshit. But what I would do is come up with a specific uh, test questions that asked a specific question that had a specific yes and no or right or wrong answer. And then I would time you on how long it takes you to answer that question properly. Okay? And what would happen is if you knew the answer and you clicked on it right away, you'd have a, a correct answer with a five second score and then you could score it from there. But if you didn't know the answer and you had to Google it, you'd have a correct answer with maybe a 30 second or even a 60 second or maybe even a 120 second score. So we would score you on if you got it right and B, how quickly it took you to get it right, okay? And if you came across a question that you couldn't find the answer to, then that would also say something about your level of intelligence. I just think that this is, this is a, a, not a better way to go. I don't think it's a, a good thing at all to ask automotive technicians to take a test. They're just, as a group, just not very, uh, not very good test takers, okay? We're uh, we're a group of people that learns kinematically by using our hands and seeing how things are done and looking at, at pictures. <laughs>
I love pictures. They show me how it's supposed to look. Fuck, I can do that. You know, I don't want to read about it. Fuck. Uh, yeah, we're not good at test taking. I'm not sure that any test at all would be any good. Maybe a verbal or a hands-on test would be a better thing. And, and maybe somebody could come up with something like that. And that would really honestly demonstrate the sheer skill of somebody who really knows what they're doing, but doesn't like tests or maybe even is semi-illiterate or possibly just has a learning disability. But uh, I'm getting really, really, really far away from what I wanted to st- from what I wanted to talk about. The ASC tests are used to kind of say to the general public, hey, this guy knows what he's doing when he might just be a moron anyway and is good at taking tests like me. (laughs) But what's going to have to happen, boys and girls, is that the exploitation of automotive technicians is going to have to come to an end on a personal level. It's going to have to be a personal battle. You, I believe, are in charge of who exploits you. I believe that, that many, a great many technicians... I don't really believe, honestly, that myself I'm being exploited all that much because I'm pretty happy with what I do and where I'm doing it. Uh, it might come as a shock to some of you. I know some of you know me as an angry, pissed-off kind of a guy. It's just, a, you know, it's a little unfortunate. That's not who I am. That's not, it's, that's not doesn't represent me in my real life. But I, I, do, I do get angry, and I am loud and obnoxious at times. And, uh, but I'm usually having a lot of fun, and I know what I'm doing, and uh, I deal with the chaos of not knowing what's coming in the door tomorrow morning. Uh, you know, I just take it, you know, just like water off a duck's back. It's like, whatever, whatever they roll in, I can fix it. Just bring it to me. Bring me the broke. I always say this too. I said, bring me the broken shit. I will fix it. That's it. I just feel like my wage could be higher. Uh, I don't feel like my wage indicates that I'm being exploited, but I do feel like the wages of some of the people I work with, uh, represents exploitation of their skills and their talents. And, and I think a lot of people, uh, get to a point where they realize that, they're being exploited or they feel like they're being exploited without actually identifying the fact that they're being exploited and then decide to fucking leave. And so the exploitation comes to an end and the employer looks for somebody else to exploit. And you know what? Uh, they have painted themselves into a corner, ladies and gentlemen. I say this all the time, but they have uh, paid such pathetic wages to so many people for so long that pretty soon there's going to be nobody out there to pay any wage to to do this job at all. Okay, because someday I'll be retired and someday I'll be dead. Oh, and maybe both of them will happen at the same time. And any replacement that they hire to take my place is not going to be as good as I am. And and, and if they are, and I hope they are, but the, if they are, uh, that will be good. Unless, of course, they're not paid as well as I am or better, they will be exploited. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is that, uh, and, and, and this is where, when I talk about being painted into a corner, this is what I'm talking about. The amount of people who have decided that they do not want to be exploited by an employer in this particular field as an automotive technician has dwindled to nothing. Nobody wants to nobody wants to let these people eat their lunch for them. Okay? Nobody wants that anymore. And so there's nobody out there who's willing to do this job for the wages that they want to pay. But they're so fucking dead set in their way. And I don't know if it's the accountants or if it's just the way things were or if there's somebody in their past who said, oh, don't pay technicians. They're just a bunch of monkeys with wrenches. And, you know, part of, part of that is right. But uh, you know what? Uh, when, when we earn $2.3 million, making you $14.1 million, and then you turn around and say, oh, there's nobody out there to hire, uh, I think that maybe you could do a little math in your fucking head and you can say, you know what, maybe I need to pay a little bit more. 
And here's the, here's the bottom line, and I'm going to get off, okay, because I've gone on for a long time, and even though he's going to have to, even though Eric's going to have to chop this up into legible, uh, some sort of a legible uh, podcast, which is going to be difficult because it's a rambly piece of shit. At some point, uh, one of these people is going to have to decide that they pay, have to pay a livable, a more livable, and a more generous wage for what we do to get anyone to do it at all, at all. And once they decide to do this and they see that if they were to pay a very generous wage, let's just use $100,000 as a benchmark. Let's suppose that you could be in the business for five years and if you if you advance through, if you do all of your ASC tests, you do all the training that your manufacturer uh, says that you need to do or if you work for a shop, uh, an independent shop, if you do everything that they ask you to do and and they're successful and, and, and they sell a lot of your labor for a lot of money and, and they decide they're going to pay you six digits a year, $100,000, that's a wage that which unto you, you could enjoy your life. You could have a wife and you could have children and a car and a house and live like a normal human being. But with the wages they're paying now, you almost cannot fucking do that. Until that changes, there's going to be a shortage of technicians. There's going to be a shortage of people out there for you to exploit. Okay, So if you're in management and you're listening to this right now, I want you to look up the word exploitation and I want you to apply it to the people who work for you. And I want you to realize that that's what you're fucking doing. All right, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> it's not a fun. It's not. It's not a fun, but it's not a horribly angry podcast. And I apologize if it wasn't comical enough for you. I know sometimes people look look for an entertainment value in the podcast, and uh, this week it just wasn't there. Sorry. We'll uh, we'll do a podcast about the fucking storm that blew through fucking the United States the week after Valentine's Day, and uh, that will be angry and mean and be full of diatribes and uh, humor and possibly a bunch of venting about a bunch of shit that happened to me and hopefully it didn't happen to you. But until then, your Uncle Jimmy's going to sign off, and he always does the same thing. When he signs off, he just says, see ya.